passion history reading as found recorded in the four Gospels, we hear of Jesus being condemned to death. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers of the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. Now, it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate said to them, It is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas? Or Jesus, the King of the Jews, who is called Christ. Pilate knew it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, because I have suffered a great deal today in a dream on account of him. But the chief priests and the elders stirred up the crowd and persuaded them to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. With one voice they cried out, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. What shall I do? Do then with Jesus, who is called Christ, the one you call the King of the Jews. Crucify him, they shouted. Crucify him, crucify him. For a third time he spoke to them. Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore I will have him punished and then release him. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him, and their shouts prevailed. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace of the governor, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, twisted together a crown of thorns, and set it on his head, and put a staff in his right hand, and knelt in front of him, worshiping. They spit on him, struck him in the face, and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. They mocked him and began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. 
The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You have no power over me that was not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a palace known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted out, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, Pilate granted their demand. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas, the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, and he had Jesus flogged. He then surrounded Jesus, surrendered Jesus to their will to be crucified. The soldiers of the governor took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus. He was passing by on his way in from the country. They seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed Jesus, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 27, beginning at the 27th verse. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole cohort of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. 
They put a staff in his right hand, knelt in front of him, and mocked him by saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him, took the staff, and hit him repeatedly on the head. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe, put, on, put his own clothes on him, and then they led him away to crucify him. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it is overkill. And I'm talking about it is extreme, it is over the top. In fact, I would use the word cruelty. And if you would look, if you would look to the website stopbullying.gov, you will find there at the website that there are three things that they say is connected with bullying. There is verbal bullying, there is social bullying, and there is physical bullying. And yet, I will go so far as to say, I don't see what happened to Jesus as simple bullying. This is the hand of brutality. And it is overkill. It was certainly overkill when Jesus had to stand before the Jewish council and known as the Sanhedrin in their kangaroo court as they brought in witnesses after witnesses and, and to find that even the witnesses couldn't agree. It was, it was certainly overkill when they sat and finally accused Jesus of blasphemy because he said he was the Son of God. And he answered, I am. And even his miracles would prove that he is certainly the Lord God. But even in spite of that, they said he was worthy of death. Now, the form of death for the Jews was stoning. But no, that's not what they wanted. They wanted Jesus to be executed by crucifixion, and that would mean taking him to the Roman governor. And that was overkill. Pilate, even after interviewing him, and especially questioning him concerning being the king of the Jews, Jesus made it very clear that yes, he was a king and his kingdom was not of this world. Pilate even had to admit that just because he claimed that didn't make him a threat to Rome. And he was not trying to usurp authority over Caesar himself, the Roman emperor. So Pilate, realizing he was an innocent man, and certainly not worthy of crucifixion that was meant for the worst of criminals. He would try to get Jesus off. But the Jewish leaders and a crowd that was uh, developing was yelling out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They argued with Pilate over and over. And Pilate came at them in all kinds of di directions trying to say, he's, he's an innocent man, I find no charge against him. And they would constantly say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. An innocent man being put to death by crucifixion was overkill. After, Jesus, after Pilate gave the notice, he would have Jesus flogged. And that too was overkill. When you think of flogging, 
Don't think of like a Western show where you get that big long whip that just whips out there and, and snaps the person. No, the whip was actually had a handle, and from it, three short ropes. It was really used in close combat, so to speak, or close punishment. At the end of each of the ropes would be tied either metal fragments or metal or, or bones. So that with every whipping, the back that was struck, part of the flesh would be gouged out. It was such a horrible beating that the Jews themselves actually had a limit. It was, it was not an unheard of saying that they would say um, 40 lashes minus one. In other words, the limit was always 40 and you dare not go over it because then it was considered cruelty. Rome, Roman soldiers had no such limit. They had no such rule. We don't know how many times Jesus was whipped. But many saw the whipping as really an act of mercy because oftentimes the person being whipped died before even getting to the cross. Or it shortened their time on the cross. A mercy killing, if you will. There was nothing merciful about it. It was overkill. And then they have the soldiers take Jesus to the Praetorium, which was the, the governor's residence, also known as a military fortification. And we hear how many soldiers were involved in beating Jesus and mocking him? A whole cohort? A whole company, as some translate it? A company during the time of Jesus could any could be anywhere from 600 to 1,000 men. 600 for one man who was an innocent man, and 600 are, are there mocking him? 600 were needed to go and take off his clothes and put a scarlet robe around him? The scarlet robe would have been a robe of a common soldier. And that robe, was to represent the purple robe of a king. And then they twisted together a crown and, and they placed it on his head. It was a crown made of thorns. And that was to represent the royal crown that a king would wear. And then they put a staff in his hand. And this was not simply a walking stick. In fact, literally, it is called a and that was to represent the royal position that a king had when he held his scepter. And then we find that they started spitting at him. 600 to 1,000 men spitting on him? That's overkill. And clearly that was to represent the holy kiss and honor that a king would deserve. And then they didn't even stop there. They would get down and kneel before him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. We, we don't hear them saying it. We just have the words here. 
but it's very clear how they must have said it in such a sarcastic way as they mock the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the very Son of God himself. Overkill? Brutality? Absolutely. Two things stand out in this entire text that we definitely have to point out. One is all of this was according to God's plan. And even all of this was prophesied 700 years before the birth of Jesus by the prophet Isaiah. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 50, where we hear about the servant of Israel that is referring to the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, we hear these words. I submitted my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from disgrace and from spit. A couple ch chapters later, we hear the servant speak again and again. This is our Savior speaking. He was despised and rejected by men, a man who knew grief, who was well acquainted with suffering, like someone whom people cannot bear to look at, he was despised, and we thought nothing of him. Surely he, was surely he was taking up our weaknesses, and he was carrying our sufferings. We thought it was because of God that he was stricken, smitten, and afflicted. But it was because of our rebellion that he was pierced. He was crushed for the guilt of our sin, that our sins deserved. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We have all gone astray like sheep. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has charged all our guilt to him. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent in front of its shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away without a fair trial and without justice. And of his generation, who even cared? So he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of the rebellion of my people. He would have assigned him a grave with the wicked, but he was given a grave with the rich in his death because he had done no violence and no deceit was in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to allow him to suffer. And the wound that Jesus was inflicted with that brings us peace is the peace of paying for our sins on the cross. It is the peace of the forgiveness of sins that he won with, that he won for us. You see, it looks like Satan was winning, doesn't it? It looked like the Roman soldiers were winning. It looked like those Jewish leaders were winning. They had Jesus. They couldn't stop him. And they were going to end him. And yet God took that violent act and turned it into an atoning sacrifice for our sins and for the sins of the world. And that was God's plan. Along with that, Jesus willingly went 
could have called down 12 legions of angels. Jesus, the very Son of God, could have used his divine power and ended them right there. He could have opened up the ground and let them be sucked into it. He could have struck them down with lightning. Remember, this is the very God who at the beginning of, of creation said, let there be, and there was, as he created everything out of nothing. And yet he humbled himself and did not make full and constant use of his divine power and glory as he willingly went to the cross. Because what was far more important to our Savior was not his pride and the hurting of his pride, but the giving of his life to pay for our sinful pride and our sinfulness and selfishness. And he willingly went to the cross to pay for those sins the soldiers said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they said it to mock him. But we say, Hail, King of the Jews, to give him all the praise and glory. Because this King of the Jews is our Savior. Or another way to put it, we say, Thank you, Jesus. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.